0: Hey everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listening to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you.
1: All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? DetroitSportsPodcast.com presents to you, The Doc, one-on-one with Johnny Kane from Fox Sports Detroit, new host and reporter. Been with us in Detroit since late December, early January, and I just want to say thank you, Johnny, for accepting my invitation to come in here and to chat sports and to go in-depth regarding all things sports, and I greatly appreciate it. I hope that I get a chance to interview a lot more people and go in-depth, and so I welcome you to the one-on-one interview with The Doc.
0: Yeah, I feel good about it, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invitation. Hopefully, this will be the first of many.
1: Now, you come to us from Kansas City, reporting live last year. You were there for quite a bit of time. Tell us a little bit about your experience coming to us from Kansas City.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You know, a lot of people, uh, I love my time in Kansas City. I was there for three and a half years, and then before that, I lived uh, five and a half years working in Topeka, Kansas. So, I covered the Kansas City sports scene for, you know, uh, right around nine years. And I think most people view Kansas City as kind of a flyover, you know, city. I mean, you're, you're coming into the airport maybe and then you're heading farther west or moving on to Colorado, but uh, it's a beautiful Midwestern city, enjoyed my time there thoroughly, it's a great sports town. Uh, you know, they don't have all the, they don't have all what we have here in Detroit now because, uh, you know, they have Major League Soccer, obviously the NFL and uh, Major League Baseball, but so I didn't really have a bunch of uh, experience covering hockey while I was out there, but. But anyway, certainly I had an understanding of what was going on with the Tigers here because uh, the Royals were constantly trying to chase down the Tigers within the division. And uh, last year's as close as they came, you know, coming up within, uh, within a game. But uh, yeah, enjoyed my time in Kansas City. There's no question about that. And, and a lot of good people still there. And, and uh, you know, anytime you spend that part of, you know, almost nine years of your life in a city, you, you know, or, or in an area, you certainly uh, always have good feelings about it. But uh, I'm thrilled about coming to Detroit because uh, I grew up, you know, not far from here. So it, it's good to be uh, a little bit closer to family and everybody else. Now tell everyone that's listening, what is your role now with uh, Fox Sports Detroit? So Fox Sports Detroit, uh, again, like host and reporter for all three of the sports, you know, the professional sports that we cover. So obviously, uh, you know, team partner with the Pistons, uh, Red Wings and Tigers. And, and uh, so from a day to day basis, you'll see a lot of the guys, you know, Justin White, and Matt Shepard. And, and uh, I mean, we have a you know, a ton of great guys, obviously, over there. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of rotate around of, you know, sometimes you're hosting a pregame show, sometimes you're hosting a postgame show, sometimes you're reporting uh, pregame, in-game, postgame, and so for all the sports. And So anyway, sometimes you're on site, sometimes you're in studio. It's nice because you get a good variety of, uh, you know, every day is different, right? So, you know, one day you could be uh, reporting for the Red Wings, next day you could be a pregame host for the pistons, you know, and then the next day you could be doing something with the Tigers. Now, obviously the pistons aren't playing now, but you know, that's why we call it April in the D because, uh, you know, there's that time when all three are, are playing and, and you're wearing a bunch of different hats, but anyway, great operation to work for obviously. And I don't just say that because, uh, you know, they're sending me a paycheck, but, uh, honestly, I'm very thrilled to be there and it's a good operation. And I really enjoy
1: talking to journalists who've made a career in sports. It's one of those things where we get a chance to pick your brain a little bit, get a sense of how you developed a passion for sports. I can tell you myself, I knew exactly I was seven years old. And I had a family relative who came in to live with us and it was 1986 and it was the 1986 World Cup. He was a big fan of soccer with Diego Maradona. He had all the Mm -hmm. games on. And as a little six to seven year old boy, I was really caught up in the competition, the excitement of the games. And that's how I started to develop a passion for sports and competition and then uh, Detroit sports. So then when the 87 season happened for Detroit and they had that great playoff run at the end. I was hooked. And so right. since yeah, so since then I've become really, you know, fascinated with de- with sports and especially Detroit sports. So talk about when you first realized, you know, hey, I had an interest in sports and some of the teams you grew up watching.
0: Yeah. yeah, well definitely. I you know, I grew up uh 100 about 100 miles from Detroit. So I grew up in Ohio in a real small town called Delta, about 2500 strong. You know, I knew when I was a kid you know, I love, you know, it's a lot of us, I'm sure, a lot of the listeners, too. I mean, that's what you do. You, I mean, you played sports, and, and we didn't have the, I'm not saying we're going way back, but we didn't have, like, a lot of the video games and things. I mean, what we did, we were active, and my brother was only, uh, you know, a year apart. So, you know, we were always outside playing, playing with our friends, and I wore out my basketball hoop at home and all that. So I always had an appreciation for sports. And then when I was, you know, nine years old, I remember watching um, Super Bowl, let's see, Super Bowl twenty. Four. And I remember that was kind of when I, you know, started to get, that was when I started to get hooked, right? I mean, it was, uh, you know, you, you start to realize when it's running through your veins, uh, how important sports is to you. And so everybody's a fan and, and whatnot. But I, you know, in high school, I was bringing the sports page to work or to, uh, to the lunch room and I'd sit by myself and then you'd read the box scores from the night before and try to sit by yourself. And <laughs> most people just thought I wasn't popular because I always was <laughs> a loner trying to sit by myself and people would say, well, I'll sit with you. And what I wanted to say was I'm trying to read the paper here. But, uh, anyway, so that's when you started getting appreciation for it. And then uh, I started writing for, you know, the high school paper, you know, that came out once a, you know, once every three, four months or whatnot. And, and, uh, then went on to college and realized that's what I wanted to do broadcast journalism. Cause I didn't have what it took to be an athlete and And, uh, but I think it's important, like you say, you know, there's a lot of people are sports fans and a lot of people would say, man, John, what you're doing, you know, it's uh, man, I love what you, you know, what a great job, you know, it's a great job. Well, the reality is until you get, you know, to the highest point, it's not a, a highly lucrative job, right? I mean, you do it for the passion of doing it. And so that for me, that was it. It was like, you know, I don't, you know, to me, it wasn't about hey, you know, I'm trying to make a million dollars doing it. But I, what I wanted to do is just have the opportunity, to go to games every day, and and uh, and be, you know, kind of the eyes and ears for everybody, and, and you know, be an analyst sometimes, and sometimes, uh, you know, take you inside some stories, the background that people don't know about. And I remember growing up when I told my, you know, we had five kids in our family, and Monday Night Football was every, you know, in Eastern Time was late, and all the other kids had to go to bed, and I and I would tell my mom, I say, hey, one day. You know, I want to be doing broadcasting. I said, so can I stay up to watch watch the game? You know, I said, I'm doing research, Ma. And she bought it. So anyway, she would let me do that. And uh, so those are just some of the memories I have looking back. And I say, yeah, I guess we kind of knew from uh, early on that we'd have an opportunity. So luckily, uh haven't let her down yet. Yeah, with
1: me, um, the funny thing was my first uh, foray into trying to sneak things past my parents was the Pistons series versus Portland. And the games would start at 1030. And now I'm like a nine or 10 year old trying to go to school. And so I'm like trying to like, watch the game, and uh, avoid the parents, too. So, <laughs> yep, you, you, you know, and, and the games will go late, too. So I could remember Vinnie Johnson hit that shot Absolutely. and and the Pistons won the championship. So And Detroit has such a rich sports history that, you know, hopefully we get a chance to have some championships that you can cover yeah. and things like that. You now, Speaking of your reporting, what I like when I see reporters and when I watch on TV, uh, I really like those that uh, can keep things light and have a great time. And I can tell with you, based on some of the research that we did, that you have a lot of fun reporting, that you don't take things too seriously. And you've had a couple videos go viral on YouTube. And I want to play a couple of them and get your um, reactions (laughs) to some of the things that have happened in your reporting work. Uh, All right? So this, uh, I believe, happened when you were at uh, KMBC in Kansas City. And uh, you're live on the air, and uh, this happens.
0: Like a Raul Abanez and Josh Willingham. Those guys haven't seen the field uh, in the postseason. And and guys like, um, probably the biggest leader on this team right now. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. But uh, (laughs) that one knocked me out of my shoes.
1: So you're on the air reporting, and there's this fascination with people wanting to mess with reporters that are reporting to try and either, you know, jolt them or say something, you know, inappropriate. And I got a first sense of it, you know, going down to Comerica Park, there was a reporter, this poor guy, just trying, you know, with his uh, cameraman trying to get this report out and there were these two guys that you know would time it perfectly every time they would uh go to start he'd, they'd jump in and, the, and the, the reporter was you know getting upset but well, you took it great and uh, talk about that experience well, that was really hilarious and it got well over 300,000 views on
0: uh, youtube yeah it was crazy because you know it's funny hearing it again but uh as i'm bumbling through that live shot as you can tell i was like yeah. i was you know, sometimes with local, you know, TV, we were doing a, um, you know, post game show out, out front of Kauffman stadium. And sometimes they'll just send it to you. And so, so if we had an hour post game show, they'd say, Hey vamp for, you know, as long as you can, we're just going to you. So, you know, obviously it's not scripted. And I was just trying to reflect on, uh, you know, on the game and, and, uh, you know, who the leaders on the team were anyway. So I'm bumbling through that thing. And, uh, I was kind of locked in thought there for a second. I was trying to, you know, dig a name out with the back of my head there. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you just get scared and it just happened to be that perfect moment where they got you. And that kid, I mean, that was like a bone chilling uh, uh, yell from behind. And um, yeah, I guess that was a natural reaction. And the first words out of my mouth were, my goodness. And I remember my dad talked to me um, a couple of days after that went, you know, took off. He said, he said, my goodness, huh? And I said, yeah. He said, I don't think I've ever heard you say those words. He said, I don't think that's what I would have said, you know, uh, <laughs> but you know, the idea was that you know you always know you're on, so you didn't want to like turn around and you know yell something, uh, yell something bad. But yeah, the kid was just having a good time. Obviously, he had a few suds in him, but uh, yeah, it's funny what the internet deems you know worthy of you know because there've been a lot of reporters that have been spooked you know on air and and uh, but for whatever reason they thought that was a good one and and uh, again it wasn't the guy wasn't trying to be a you know he wasn't trying to. Do anything too malicious there he was just having a little fun with it, and then uh, so I laughed my way out of that thing but yeah that was that was kind of the first of uh what was a crazy postseason there for uh, for Kansas City
1: yeah, one that resulted in the Kansas City Royals going to the World Series, and another video that uh, went was even more popular on youtube uh i believe it was after they clinched to go to the world series you interviewed paul rudd on the field and uh you're having a great time and then he busts out with this and this is a a very interesting uh thing he did because he was very excited and he was very thrilled to you know be a fan of kansas city and when your team hasn't been there for a long time you could just tell the excitement and uh we'll play this for for the audience your interview with paul rudd a little clip
0: well let me ask you i know a lot of people wonder where you're gonna be partying tonight huh you don't gonna, to I'm tell gonna, specifically. I'm going to be partying at my mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is everybody invited or just select group? <laughs> hey, party at my mom's, man. She's out of town. I got a keg. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> All right. Party at Paul Ross, mom's house tonight, Royals fans. We'll send it back to you. $5 cover.
1: <laughs> How funny was that? You could tell a guy like that oh, was having yeah. a good time. Talk about what it was like being on the field reporting, yeah. you know, Kansas City's ALCS uh, championship win.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, Again, another one of those times where uh, everything's happening around you. Everybody's excited. I mean, I was excited just to be a part of covering it. And Paul and those guys, you know, they're like Jason Sudakis and Rob Riggle, A lot of those guys, you know, diehard Royals fans and Chiefs fans, and they're sometimes at games. And and uh, Paul obviously was having a little bit of fun there. And and uh, they just played that clip the other day, actually, on Letterman, which was crazy because Paul Paul was uh, Paul Rudd was on there. I call him Paul like we're buddies or something, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, obviously, you can tell just a really good dude, yeah, he just had some fun with it. And the reality is, you know, there's another one that that took off. I mean, that that actually, those two incidents, the getting spooked and then Paul Rudd, happened two days apart from one another. Oh, really? And from what I remember, it was two or three days apart. And there again, you know, you don't know what the internet's going to deem as fascinating or funny, but... Obviously, Paul Rudd made that uh, made that moment what it was, and and to be able to have a lighthearted moment like that, and, and uh, say party at my mom's, and then the whole five dollar cover at the end was my favorite part. And then he even said that people showed up to his mom's because he grew, you know, his, his mom's still has a house there just outside of Kansas City, and so people, you know, who know the family actually showed up for that party. So, and then people were even texting me that night, you know, hey, what's the address? I'm like, you guys, like, it's obviously, he wasn't being serious about this, you know, but uh, he did say if the Royals win the World Series this year that uh, he is going to have a party at his mom's. He said it's going to be two kegs. So keep that in mind that, uh, you know, but obviously, you know, here in Detroit, we don't want to see the uh, Kansas City making the World Series before we get there, you know.
1: Johnny Kane from Fox Sports Detroit with us chatting one on one sports. You can follow him at Twitter at Johnny Kane FSD. You can see his great work at Fox Sports Detroit. And uh, when the Tigers are on, sometimes he's hosting the pre and post game. Now, you know, earlier you were talking about some challenges with uh, reporting. Did you find that uh, it was difficult going live with people trying to, you know, spook you or get in your way? Is that just one of the, uh, you know, nuances of the job? Yeah,
0: I think that's just – I mean, that's just something you understand. And, and, uh, you know, the other day I was going to do – for game six, you know, I was going to be doing a, a live hit at Hockey Town, you know, for the Lightning and Wings. And obviously, hey, anytime you're going to – I mean, that, that's part of the badge you wear as, a, as a reporters. You're going to be out there getting the mix with the people. And, you know, there was a, a point in time there where fans were yelling certain things that uh, James Winston was tied to and some of uh, a vulgar expression that was being yelled out during some stuff. And – Anyway, so as long as like when you're going live, that's the risk that you run, right? So when you're on television, and that that's kind of the risk you run when you're doing a live shot, is somebody else could really uh, spoil that moment, or you you know then you apologize for what you heard in the background there. But I've never been in uh, you know extreme danger. Most people, again, you're having you're having a couple cold ones most of the time, and they're just having some fun. And, and for whatever reason, whenever there's a live camera, as you've noticed, people do not act themselves. I mean people people go crazy. So. I guess the closest I came to having a a real issue was in San Francisco uh, covering the World Series. And we actually had our own police detail for this uh, block of reporters because we were reporting right uh, live uh, outside the the park there. And and anyway, one guy came by and he did kind of like throw like a forearm shiver. And then, you know, my photographer jumped out from behind and grabbed this guy. And pointed, like, to leave. And then the other guy comes at my photographer. And then, you know, the cops were right there. But, you know, again, that was an instance where, you know, again, uh, you know, motions were running high. And, and it was right after the game and, uh, at AT&T Park there. And, and one guy, again, he was, he looked like he had had more than a couple. But, you know, anyway, that's just part of the deal, being a reporter. And, you know, you don't ever really think too much about it. Okay, so now you're here in Detroit and you're primarily, you know, covering the Tigers Mm -hmm. and
1: we've watched them, um, you know, start off 14 and six. They're playing really well and it's one of those things where Tigers fans have a lot of hope and a lot of expectations with this team. And so we'll chat a little bit about the Tigers and uh, get your sense as to where this team is at after 20 games. Um, I'm fascinated with the start because a lot of people right now in Detroit, are really thinking, you know what? This team needs to give us a payoff. It's mm-hmm. been a well. It's been now 31 seasons since the Tigers have won a World Series, and this team has a significantly large payroll. Dave Dombrowski has, you know, made a lot of moves to try and get this team to the World Series. What What do you think at this point in time with the Tigers? Do Do you think that uh, this team, as assembled, has a chance to be competitive in the AL Central with what's been going on around yeah. the Central?
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question. You know, I think. Um you know, if you would have said, you know, four or five weeks ago, you would say, okay, you know, any three, maybe even four teams in this division could contend. No knock on Minnesota, but I don't include them in my short list. But now you look at the way things have played out, and again, you know how it is in baseball. I mean, the season is long, and so we've got to get a better sample. Uh, but right now, it's a two-horse race, obviously between Kansas City and Detroit. And like I said, with my ties in KC, there, you know, they didn't do a ton this offseason, and uh, but a couple of the pieces that they did get, you know, have have proven pretty good uh paulo orlando and, and the Kendrys morales and and uh edinson volquez well he's serving a suspension now but anyway i think that you know the royals got i don't know if they got exponentially better in the off season, but they're playing really well and, and a lot of their core pieces are you know swinging the bat well and that's what's kept them in it because they didn't have any power last year but when you talk about detroit and the pieces that they that they brought in or even uh, the healthy pieces that are back, like a Jose Iglesias. I mean, there's there's not a man walking the street right now that would say, "Holy cow!" You know, like what he's been able to do in spring training. Didn't they have all that great of offensive numbers, but here's a guy you can bat him at the top of the order or at the bottom of the order, and he's and he's hovering right around 400 after 20 games. Now again, smaller sample size, but if a guy like Jose Iglesias, and he almost hit for the cycle, uh, you know, in the opener against Minnesota. So. You know, this is a guy who's swinging the bat really well. And then defensively, as a glove, you know, the other really good shortstop in in the division obviously would be Alcides Escobar in Kansas City. But, you know, Iglesias is, I mean, he's made plays already this season where you'd say, we might not see a better one. And then he goes out the next day and does something special. So to me, Jose Iglesias has been great. Anthony Ghost is a guy to me, again, like he's a career, what, maybe 241 hitter. Now all of a sudden he's batting you know three nineteen. Now he struggled with strikeouts here lately, and that's why they wanted to play the high hand with Rajay before he got hurt. But Anthony Ghost is another guy. If you can platoon in center field with Ghost and Rajay, you have to feel really good about that because you know what your bookends are on the side there with Yulenis and JD. So to me, it's been terrific. I think the lineup is terrific. I think the defensively, it's a terrific team. I don't know if there's a better. Uh, you know, better defensive team in base, or excuse me, in the division. So I think, you know, again, like anybody else, I'm not telling anybody anything new here about, you know, the bullpen is going to be key. Starting pitching has been pretty good to this point, but, it, you know, it's going to come down to the bullpen. Some people say, well, Joe Nathan did the Tigers a favor by, you know, by getting injured. But I look at it the other way. I say, I don't think so because whether or not you can make the argument whether or not you want him to be the closer, but you're losing an option, right? You're losing a body in the bullpen that could have bought you some time. Joaquin Soria is certainly two-time all-star, he can be a viable closer. I'm not worried about him, but you know, Albuquerque hasn't looked himself here lately or, or you know to start the season and and Jabba had looked really good up here until uh his last relief appearance. So, you know, there are some some pieces there where you say, well, you can't just say, well, we're all set, everything's going to be fine, but uh certainly you're not going to complain about, it. you know, 14 and 6 start through 20 games. You're right there. And uh, I think it's going to be really competitive, you know, moving forward. I don't think, you know, Chicago is going to labor as much as they have. And Cleveland certainly is better than what the record would indicate. But uh, I think if you're a Tigers fan, you certainly feel comfortable with what you've got. And then the main thing is just about staying healthy, right? Keeping the guys healthy and and where you're going to get a couple off days for Victor. And obviously, Miguel has not shown any uh, uh, ill effects of his uh, offseason lower body injury. So, yeah, I think you feel good about it. And, and uh, yeah, you say, all right, here we go. We got this thing.
1: So now a lot of talk around the water cooler here in Detroit among the fans is, okay, this team has been contending now, has won four straight AL Central titles, but they haven't um, done well in the playoffs in the postseason. Do you think that uh, the fans should really have some ill will or some resentment that, hey, if this
0: team doesn't win the World Series, should
1: maybe Dave Dombrowski's seat get a little bit warmer? You know, I don't think
0: so. I think, you know, Dombrowski is as good as they get in the game. I mean, the reality is you control what you can control. And when you get to the postseason, season, it's a different animal. You know, there's nobody in that Tigers clubhouse that would say, yeah, we had a pretty good year last year. I mean, you know, that's a bitter taste, you know, getting swept by, uh, by uh, Baltimore. So, and really had they, you know, if they could find a way to get through that series, it might've been a different story because, you know, Kansas city could not beat Detroit last year. And so, you know, if they could have gotten around it, maybe Detroit wins the next series and it's a different story, but, Again, the what ifs and hypotheticals, but the reality is, when you when you've won four straight division titles, that's tough to do, right? And the division has obviously gotten better year after year. Uh, there's not as much, you know, there's obviously more parity from top to bottom right now. But I don't think the seat, you know, would be any warmer if they don't take another step in the postseason. It comes down to the guys getting it done. And if you're good enough to win a division during the regular season, now it's just, hey, let's get it done in the post. And and uh, you know, winning a World Series is tough, guys. So. There are some teams you know that go, uh, you know I hate to keep drawing back on my time in Kansas City, but I will because it, it makes sense. They, you know they went 29 years without making the playoffs, even making the playoffs. So I understand you know that they, they won it all in 85, but that was the last time they were in the postseason. So I know here in Detroit there's you know, hey man, you know we haven't uh, won a title you know in a number of years, but you'd say, okay, but still, you know we're getting the opportunity to get there. We're putting good teams out there. Hey, the window with this particular core group and, you know, how long is Price going to be around and and, and what's going to happen with JV? Certainly, I could understand where they'd say, hey, with this particular unit, this might be our best opportunity to get it done. So you would hope that that they could take another step this postseason. But, you know, again, it's just a different animal in the postseason. and, And that's why you see wildcard teams, you know, representing, you know, each division in the World Series, I mean, it's just it's just a different animal.
1: Yeah, but just one, some of the issues that people point to is the you know the whole Doug Fisher trade, you yeah. know, letting go of a, of a number three starter for really not much of a return, and then you know taking well over two or three seasons to construct a bullpen. Most yeah. would, most would think that okay, uh, a general manager of his talent and of his ilk should find individuals that could you know be a little bit more serviceable than we got. And so that's where the source of concern is, is that we have a team. You know, obviously, there's no complete team in baseball, but you have a significant weakness that by all accounts and by what everyone's looking at, has kind of gotten worse as as the last couple of years have progressed.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, let, listen, that's what fans do. So you can say, you know, oh, you know, let, let, let's, let's look at the, you know, the trades that didn't work or let's look at the guys that didn't pan out. And then if you want to, you could say, okay, let's look at the trades that did work. You know, like when they were able to bring Cabrera here, right? To me, you would say, okay, look at let's look at our three, four, five, and six hitters right now. Tell me who has a better three through six right now. Okay. Hey, are we spending a little money to get it done? Sure. They were able to acquire a David Price sized year. Okay. To me, it's like, yeah, we can look at some of the trades that didn't work, or we, you know, we didn't pay Max this or we lose Rick. You know, at the end of the day, this is you know, Annabelle Sanchez is 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 looks like he's getting back to what he was. I don't hate the rota- you know. I don't. I don't hate the starting rotation. I certainly don't hate the lineup. I love the defensive upgrades. And you could say, yeah, did it take a little while to get the bullpen assembled? You know, it's where you want it, and it's not where you want it. So, okay, you could maybe make a knock there, but you can't get it all done in in one year. And I guess the other thing I would say is, to me, it's I understand that the the farm system isn't all that great, but for a number of years there were teams that had you know some of the top rated farm systems, but that doesn't you know pan out to the major leagues. So the way Dombrowski's built this team. Again, other people—that that's what fans do. So if they want to complain about certain things, and you could talk about the Fister trade and all that. And I get it, and that's that's part of uh, you know that's part of it being a fan. But at the end of the day, I kind of look at it the other way and say, hey, you know, this is—they've done an exceptional job, and and not that we're taking things for granted here, but you know, I think sometimes it's it's when when you get so close and you get to the postseason, don't get there. it's easier to say, man, we didn't get better enough, you know. But it's baseball, man.
1: And now. We're in a series versus Minnesota, not a team that uh, scares a lot of Detroit fans, but coming up on the 30th, four-game series versus Kansas City on the road. Talk about this important matchup and what are you seeing now. Kansas City is formidable, and right away you can point to, though, an obvious strength of a team that's going to be our competitor. Their bullpen is lights out. It's going to be tough to score runs. And now the Tigers are a little bit more of an offensive team. It's going to be a great four-game series this weekend. Must watch versus a a team that everyone thinks is going to be our our biggest rival.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, you know, I think that like I, I had alluded to, I think it'll be a two horse race. And again, I think Chicago and, and Cleveland will, will get in there a little bit, but I think it's going to come down to it. You know, where you say, okay, you know, how do these two teams stack up? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Kansas City is the best. You know, has the best seven, eight, nine pitchers in baseball, right? I mean, and they had it last year, so. But where was the starting pitching? I mean, that was kind of the questions for them. But now, you know, they're pitching better and they're hitting with a little more power. We'll see how things kind of play out. But, you know, I think for for, uh, for Detroit, it's going to come down to strong starting pitching again because you don't want to get in those late innings because you're not going to play catch-up uh, against a Kansas City team once they get to the seventh inning. So, But again, hey, we're early in the season, but it's a big set because we've got the four against them and then they come back here. Uh, in early May, like the second week of May. So you get you get those against Kansas City and like again last year when it comes down to winning the division by a game, you know, if you can get you know, you want to win these series when you get an opportunity to face them head to head. You don't want things to be out of your hands. So I think it'll be uh competitive and I know, you know, the Royals have gotten a you know bad rap here and for good reason because of their uh their antics. You know, they you know, Jordano Ventura's been um you know kind of the head of the snake there when mixing it up with Mike Trout of the Angels, Brett Lowry of uh of the A's, and then Adam Eaton of the White Sox and we've got benches clearing and we've got suspensions and and uh you know there were nine ejections going into their last mix up with, with uh, the White Sox and it's like man guys like well, let's settle in, you know, like let's play baseball. And I think they need to move past that stigma. But, you know, here's another thing, you know, a team that, you know, probably felt a little disrespected coming into this season, you know, sports illustrated and Picking the Indians to win the doggone World Series, but uh, not that I put a lot of stock into preseason predictions. But anyway, I think Kansas City kind of felt a little bit uh, disrespected. And, and again, it's not the entire team that's that's going out there not playing the right way. But you got a young, uh, you know, young pitcher in Yordan Ventura, and he's just got to settle in. Just signed a big deal, and and uh, you can't be throwing at guys because you know eventually you're going to get one of your own guys hurt. And and uh, if they were to lose a guy, you know, uh, Mike Mustakis or uh, uh, an Eric Hosmer, you know, if he gets hit. And is out for a couple of months, you know, with a broken hand or something like that. Then you would say, "Okay, now we got problems." But again, I think it's early. There's, we've seen a lot of that in baseball, but uh, I don't, I don't see any uh, fireworks taking place between uh, the Royals and Tigers. But uh, if there are, I, I would uh, stand behind Java Chamberlain. That's what I would do. I would <laughs> <Yeah>. say, <laughs> nice. I'd let him go out there first. Before I got a couple more thoughts about
1: baseball, some news and notes that have come come out this week that have been topical that I definitely want to get your opinion on. But I, I want to switch gears just a little bit. You were chatting a little bit earlier this year before the Tigers started, and you were talking to um, an individual um, on a podcast, and you were kind of previewing the Tigers season, and he threw out a great question to you. But once I heard it, I literally had a reaction, and I I, I, I will say I chuckled a little bit, and I'm going to try and uh, persuade you to change your answer right here on this one-on-one okay. podcast with Johnny Kane. So the question was posed to you, you know, hey, let's say, for example, um, you're a major league baseball player and they all have great entrance music. You know, a lot of the Tigers are, you know, Latino. They have a lot of upbeat music. And uh, you thought about it for a second. And you said that uh, had you been given the option of being a major league professional player, (laughs) you would like to walk out to
0: this.
1: (laughs) Mr. Kane, we're going to take. Let's sit for let's sit for a minute and just listen my song right here okay let's just listen to this jam for a few minutes and uh, let the audience ponder what you would walk out to (laughs) Johnny Kane Fox Sports Detroit thousand people mr. Kane would like to walk out to this kind of music fellas.
0: There is no path. There's only There's only
1: all right mr. Kane how do you answer for this um, <laughs> entrance music that you would decide to uh, subject an audience I'm full of paying you. paying fans you would walk out to um, tell us what this song is and why this song you'd walk out to
0: well that's Van Morrison these are the days and in my opinion it's the greatest song that's ever been written now does it <laughs> does it translate to the park uh, maybe not now that I'm hearing it again, uh, you know, considering that's the, you know, the song that, uh, you know, my sister danced to at her wedding. But anyway, no, that's my favorite, that's my favorite song of all time. Van Morrison, these are the days, but yeah, probably I might need to mix it up because uh, we might need something a little more upbeat, but Hey, that's the song right there. It gets you dialed. It gets you locked in. I mean, that just, you get mellowed out, clear the mechanism, head up to the dish, get ready to go. But, uh, you're going to try to convince me otherwise, huh? Probably, probably, maybe I need to come up with, uh, with a. Okay, well, now we have two. a chance
1: here on the podcast. I don't, I, I embrace solutions, so uh, I'm not going to say I, I didn't laugh out loud, but I did say, "Wow, he's really kind of a laid back individual." <laughs> Would come out to that lazy ground ball, and uh, that's that, <laughs> and, that's <it. laughs> and that's that. Yeah, but so we yeah. have a chance. So I got a couple songs here on my, uh, on my phone, and then we'll see if, uh, if they spark, right, sparks about All right, this is a little bit old school, but what about this?
0: upbeat. Yeah, you I know this one. Yeah, this is Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I got this. How okay. you gonna go wrong with little Eddie Murphy? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's all right. I'll put that in my short list. Okay. Yeah, party all the time. Not bad. See a little bit upbeat.
1: Not too bad. A little bit excited. You know. Yeah, I could work. I could work with that. Okay.
0: Yeah, one of the great. Great song. That's a good trivia question because a lot of people, they know the song, but nobody knows it's Eddie Murphy.
1: Oh, really? You know?
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And
1: uh, a lot of people were surprised that, you know, Eddie Murphy did a record. That's really interesting. Another one. Now, if you know, in Detroit, heavy Middle Eastern population. So what do you think about something here, a little bit of a Middle Eastern kind of flair? You know,
0: something a little, okay. A little upbeat. Yeah, I I don't dislike it. I I could be swayed I suppose. Yeah, I think that could get people rocking a little bit. I mean it's the each his own. But yeah, I'll put that on later. You know, maybe I just need a rotation a little bit, right? And we we could maybe mix in um, we could do a little uh, Eddie Murphy party all the time and then go into this this one here and then Maybe every uh, every other Sunday we could break out uh, some. These are the days. Some Van just to you, still, keep it re- you still keep it in the rotation. Well, de- it depends how I'm swinging the bat that day. <laughs> oh, you know? okay. I mean sometimes, hey, if I need to,
1: so it sounds like mellow you're up. You're a little superstitious. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> oh okay, all good. Okay, so he Johnny Kane is open to suggestions, which is good. A stubborn person is not a person that uh, is easy to work with, so that's good. <laughs> sure. So that's good. So you're open to suggestions and open to possibly picking up a little bit more of an upbeat entrance yeah. song. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, but I don't think it's something we're gonna have to worry about here because if you ever saw me take BP, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about it.
1: Okay. Something else. Uh, if you had, uh, you know, in your iPod or iPhone, uh, any other song that's a little upbeat, what else would you think to possibly put in there to mix in rotation from your own collection, a little bit more upbeat?
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, you know what song I really like and. Actually, just uh, the other day, I I downloaded another uh, Eminem song, uh, "Rap God," which I like. But the Detroit vs. Everybody is a song that I will work out to. But I think that would make a lot of sense, right? I would go with yeah. I mean, if I wanted to really kick it up a notch, now that's <laughs> a it's quite a big jump from uh, "These Are the Days" to uh, "Detroit vs. Everybody." But I do love that song a ton, and uh, that gets me going a little bit. So you know, it's all depending on how you're feeling on the day. Johnny Kane,
1: one on one with the Doc. We're talking a little baseball couple news and notes from this week. Some of the pitchers in the National League are kind of talking a little bit uh, angrily about the um, having to bat. Uh, yeah. Wainwright is injured for the season. Max Scherzer is going to miss his next start because he's saying, hey, I got a, you know issue with my thumb from swinging the bat. But what's been your opinion of this whole talk? Again, the whole issue of the designated hitter in the National League.
0: Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, Madison Bumgarner came out, you know, talking against uh, Scherzer. He said, yeah, you know, pitchers need to hit. The reality is, I'm I'm of the same mindset. I, I like uh, I like the National League rules. I grew up, uh, you know, my mom grew up uh, just outside of Chicago, so we grew up watching a lot of uh, Cubs games, and and that's uh, my National League team. And but I love the rules. I love you know I I love watching the managers try to you know mold uh, what they're gonna do late in games because you've got to work around that. I mean, it's like a chess match. Now. From a fan standpoint, if you've only loved uh, the DH, or if you're a newer fan of the sport, and you say, "Well, why in the world I don't want to watch the pitcher hit?" And, and there are very few uh, really capable uh, hitting pitchers, but that's the rule, man. And and when you were a kid, and when all of us played high school, uh, you know, played in high school or played little league, if you pitched, you hit. And when you get to the big leagues, yeah, uh, sometimes if you play, if you play uh, on one side of the league, you don't have to. But when you were in college, you hit. So. To me, that's what the sport is all about. Now, is is every guy out there that's playing a, a great all-around player? No. Are some guys specialty, you know, have specializations? Yeah. That's why you got the DH spot, right? But to me, I like the rules. And so, like you said, if, if, if all of baseball were that way, then we could talk about it. But that's a hypothetical. Here, here's the reality. National League and the American League rules have been the way that they have been. And to me, I like watching it. I like watching both leagues for different reasons. And so... Now, when you see something happen, it's a fluke, right? With Wainwright. I mean, it, he's coming out of the box on a routine pop fly. You can't you know, you can't uh predict that those things are gonna happen. When they do, you say, doggone it, you know. Or, you know, a guy like Scherzer or whatever blisters his hand. Well, can't predict that's gonna happen, but that's part of what could happen. Well, it could have be very easily happened, you know, while he was pitching or throwing a you know, simulated inning. Or same with, with uh Wainwright. Could have happened when he was, you know, in a delivery. So The fact that it happened in the batter's box and all of a sudden there's the outcry. I thought Brad Ausmus said it best. He said, yeah, it may open the discussion that uh, pitchers shouldn't be hidden. But at the end of the day, those are the rules. So I don't worry about it. And I don't think that baseball should try to pursue changing the rules. That's my own opinion. I don't think they should try to change it. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: And also, too, with interleague play. Last week in the series versus the Yankees, you know, there was a game where it was snowing. Mm -hmm. And because the Yankees are only coming into town for four games... They kept the fans there for a long period of time, and some people had to eat expensive tickets. And the reason why the Yankees are only coming into town four times is because we're playing against. Uh, in, we have a balanced interleague schedule. Right. What's your reaction now with the expanded, you know, with the expanded interleague play? You know, a lot of people would say, you know, you could adjust this by having sixteen teams in the American League or sixteen teams in the National League and fourteen teams in the American League. And what that would do is you wouldn't have to play so many interleague series and the reason why you know a team like the Yan- we want it in Detroit we want to see the yankees we want to see right. boston more we don't want to see this many interleague games you talk about the expansion and uh you know and also inclement weather in april should they have should they have kind of canceled the game
0: well yeah that's a tough one i mean you know i get it and that's a, you know guys get pressed up against that and, and mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing that right now with the baltimore and uh, the white Sox series too it's like well you know we got to try to find a day i mean I don't know how many people that are, you know, uh, clamoring to see that, you know, see that makeup game, but uh, they're going to have to make it up. Right. And, and really, how much bearing is it going to have on the, you know, the overall picture? Who knows? But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that, the, you know, we need to expand, you know, that they needed to expand so much interleague because, uh, like you say, I mean, you know, it creates problems and not that it's not fun to see you know play some teams that you know we're not used to seeing but it you know at the end of the day it's like hey what let's compete against our league let's figure you know i don't know if we need to expand interleague so much as the way they have and i think you know again you set yourself up for issues like we had from you know from the weather standpoint and all that it's like you know sometimes you just get forced up against it and you say well you know from a logistic standpoint we got to try to get this you know we got to try to get this in or you know we went through that in kansas city you know a couple years back too and sometimes you don't have to make you know you only end up playing 161 games because you don't even need the makeup because you're not even in the playoff discussion. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, to me I like, uh, you know, I want to see American League versus American League, and I want to see National League versus National League until we get to October. Yeah, was, I mean, I like to see a little bit of it, but you know, I don't think we need to expand it to what it's been.
1: Yeah, it was a little culture shock to see we're playing a series versus Pittsburgh in the second or third right. series of the season. Right. You know, but uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, just move move Houston back, and then you wouldn't have to do this, and we can go back." I just think right. I like interleague play. I like the concept, but for me personally, I just wish they would do it the way when they first introduced it a couple sure. a couple series um, and yeah, wet the it. palette
0: a little bit. Yeah,
1: and that's yeah. it. And you can maybe develop some rivalries, maybe versus the Cubs or regionally, sure. and you can spark some things. But uh, no, the way it is now, I'm not a big fan of it. And we just want to see teams like Boston and the Yankees coming into town a little bit more. Not the first week of April and playing a series when it's snowing. Right. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. It makes things tough for everybody. And you want, to, yeah. you want to make the experience more fan friendly.
0: Yeah. no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you.
1: Let's switch gears a little bit. Some news now. Tonight, when this comes out, the Red Wings will be playing Game 7 versus Tampa Bay. It's uh, People in Detroit, a little bit panicked. You had a chance to end the series. Really an intense game, a real playoff game. I was in attendance, and you really got a sense of the vibe. The fans were just, the fans were outstanding. When Mrazic made that unbelievable save, Mm -hmm. when Cronwall nailed the Tampa Bay player, the the Joe Louis Arena erupted. But Tampa Bay, Tyler Johnson is stepping up. He's an amazing hockey player. Game seven, what are you thinking?
0: Well, honestly, I felt great about game six. And I think, you know, you go into every game uh, thinking you got a great shot to win it. And the way Peter Mrazek's been playing, yeah, uh, to feel really good about Game Six. But you know, once you get behind and you know a two goal deficit, and again, they were able to, you know, they made that a heck of a game. But the problem is, you know, it's again, everybody knows the series. I mean, there's n- nobody's won back to back games, and so you know, Tampa Bay is so stinking good at home, and they were so great at home during the regular season. Only lost, uh, I think, eight, game, maybe nine games, eight games, and then here already in the postseason, you know, Detroit's got the better of them a couple times. So you know, the the task will be tall. It'll be formidable having to go on the road and try to play in that arena because you would say from a, you know, the odds are it'll be difficult to win a game seven in Tampa Bay. But again, Mrazek with two shutouts a series made some spectacular saves uh, in game six, but obviously did get beat on a few too. And and uh, and they weren't soft goals. So I like Detroit's chances. Certainly we'll have to see what, what comes of it with the Cronwall decision. But, uh, you know, to me... I thought that they took the fight to, uh, to Tampa Bay in the, in the middle games of this series. And, and that's what you have to do. And I think, uh, you know, aggressive on the forecheck and all that stuff to continue to put pressure on Tampa. Tyler Johnson, you can't give him an inch. And, but, but he's, you know, what does he have? Six goals, I think, in this series. Six I mean, goals in the series. So it's ridiculous. But, I mean, Tampa Bay, you would say, if you looked at it on paper, you'd say T- Tampa Bay has more talent. But at the end of the day, who's going to have more heart in game seven? And I think Detroit, you know, again, you had the opportunity to get it done here. You didn't. You had there. Uh, Morazic is, you know, if Morazic is dialed in, uh, we saw Thomas Tatar break out a little bit there in game six, okay? Uh, If he carries that with him, I'd like to see the captain, you know, kind of captain lead the way in game seven. That's what you got to have, right? I mean, you got to have Henrik and and Pavel be the guys. But I think Detroit's got just as good a shot as any uh, to win this one, and then, and then you get ready for Montreal. But, man, what a series it's been here in Tampa. Because you could say, well, the series should be over. Detroit should have already won it.
1: Yeah, Johnny. This, this series has been super exciting. And and the, the great thing about a hockey playoff series, it's totally different than the regular season. The intensity. And you got the storylines with, you know, Mike Babcock, the young players, Marazic over Howard. And then you got the whole Steve Eiserman, Sure. It was a great series. And I'm looking forward to a Game 7 Anything can happen. It's going to be a super exciting game. And it's one of those, it's one of those things where. You can't really decide. The momentum in this series hasn't carried over. Right, There's, every other game yeah, hasn't been. There hasn't been no momentum, and who's going to be the star? I think if the Red Wings score first, if they can, you know, take the play to Tampa Bay, and if maybe Tatar Nyquist, the young gun, can get it, you know, an easy first goal. And Nyquist
0: is due. Nyquist, Nyquist is, is due. due. I'll tell you, my favorite. Uh, if I if I had to wear a jersey or a sweater at the game, uh, I'd be wearing Justin Advocator Love the way the guy plays. Love the way he plays, and, um, you know, he's get, he's going to be one of the guys who's going to help set the tempo uh, there in Game 7 any chance he gets. So love if Abs, man, if, you know, that's a guy who I would say he's playing the right way right now, and uh, get everybody else behind him will be all right. Yeah. Now, Mitch, also now to get your opinion on kind of the era we're in in sports. Lots
1: of people are talking about, you know, NFL concussions, hockey concussions, you know, it, it hits home close to Detroit, and that Johan Franzen mm-hmm. is maybe going to have to retire due to repeated concussions. You know, we're in an era now of really focusing on head trauma and, you know, kind of going away from the fighting in hockey, the big hit hit in football, What's just been your opinion now in this era of sports, focusing a little bit more on player safety. In my opinion, I don't like it. If you're an individual that wants to play a professional sport like hockey or football, you kind of know going into it, this is not an easy sport. There is an elevated risk you could walk away injured. But for players now to look back and say, well, you didn't protect me or to go back and get restitution, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair because going into it, football is not a sport and hockey is not a sport you can enter into lightly and think that you can just play a career and not have some potential issues.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a a discussion that I'm glad that there is more discussion about because anytime you can enhance player safety, I think you should. But when you start to strip the game away from what made it the game, I think that's where you have a lot of people having issues. Exactly, And so we'll talk about the NFL because I think with the NFL is where it's most uh, apparent, where they start, you know, you start taking away hits, uh, you know, uh, defenseless receiver, you know, and you'd say, well, what's a defenseless receiver? And, and, uh, you know, the good blindside hits, you know, like, well, like Croner had the other day. But uh, to me, again, any way you can enhance player safety, we should. And if the helmets get better, then that's one way about doing it. And there are some certain, yeah, if you're targeting a guy or spearing, all those things, I mean, they've taken out of the game. Uh, Targeting is one where I say, you know, that ain't any good. But, you know, football plays are football plays, and that's what makes it, you know, it's a violent sport, and anybody who's ever played it will tell you the same. Same within hockey. Obviously, you can't, you know, you can't be leaving your feet and coming into guys. There's one thing about playing aggressive, and you want to have physical contact, but then if you see a dirty player or a dirty play, it needs to be flagged, needs to be whistled. But making a good play good aggressive hard play and the other guy happens to collapse uh, you know or crumble was it necessarily a penalty or just a good strong physical play I think it's a fine line of trying to keep those plays in sport and rid yourselves of the dirty play and you know and and you know a dirty play when you see it you know what I mean but I think I think more often than not what we're seeing is you know we're seeing guys getting penalized for making good hard plays uh, but it's almost like I think we'll have to, it's going to take some time until we can start to see that line a little more clearly because right now there's a lot of gray area. And see,
1: and I believe that, you know, intensity, hard checks. Look what happened when Cronwall. You know, with that big check, it erupted the stadium and then it carried over into momentum for the Red Wings. A big hit in football can help a football team. And sports like that, you need that passion. And what also makes it challenging for the players is you have to be more reactionary. You can't be thinking all the time and you may have an increased risk of getting hurt if you're always thinking about, well, I can't hit below the knees, I can't hit above the knees, I can only hit in a certain target area. I just think there has to be a little bit more leeway in terms of letting these guys play football and letting these guys play hockey without so much restriction because... Think there's a chance that these players are thinking too much, and it's resulting in a lower quality of play. And something that I've noticed, and me and Adam, my co-host at the Doc and Jock podcast, we've talked about quite a bit. It's an interesting yeah, discussion. I, th- I
0: think you know, and again, you know, because you're starting to clean up the sport, you know, in football, uh, ten years from now may not look like it does now, but all that stuff has to get started at the lower level. So I think the the tough adjustment that we've seen from from players. Uh, is you've learned to play the sport one way your whole life, and then all of a sudden somebody says, "Wait a minute, no, you can't hit below the knees against quarterbacks." What do you mean, right? So I think once it starts, when these kids, you know, and I don't have kids, but if you have kids starting out that they learn the sport, okay, when you're tackling, you can only go between shoulder blades and knees. You know, you can never uh, hit a, a a player that doesn't have his head turned around. I mean, once you learn at a young age of how to play a sport the right way, maybe the sport will move into a different version of what it is. I think right now it's just been tough because guys have learned to play it the same way for so long and now all of a sudden they say, hey, next year you can't do this. And then we're seeing guys getting injured at a a higher rate. For
1: all Lions fans, Thursday night it's the Super Bowl. It's the Lions draft. Uh, You've been keeping keeping tabs. You're thinking we're going to go running back early. Um, You know what, between you and I, I just wish that Gurley was a football player that did, is not coming off of a knee injury. Because yeah, it, well. it, it, it causes a great unknown. But all accounts, people are boosting him up. His stock is rising. And a lot of the analysts are putting, are slotting the lines. 23, Todd Gurley. What's well, it?
0: I'll tell you what. I, to be honest with you, uh, I have not dialed in as much on my draft, uh my draft analysis or my draft coverage going in. But yeah, I mean, certainly you're going to need a running back. I don't think you'd be disappointed in Gurley. Like you said, yeah, there's a reason why he's probably, you know, 23 because he's coming off the injury. But, uh, you know, Faye, man, my my buddy was just in town. And, uh, you know, again, I grew up around here. So I grew up, you know, following the, um, you know, the Pistons, Tigers and and Lions to a degree, but my buddy was just in town. He's just a diehard, I mean, he is a diehard Lions fan, and I know that uh, the draft is very important to him, too, and uh, I think he feels pretty good about Gurley, too, so I'm going to take his and your thoughts and say that'll work. Okay. That'll work.
1: Okay, Todd, Todd Gurley. Johnny Kane uh, gives it a thumbs up. Now, the, the, the reason why Lions fans that are really hardcore with the draft, okay, you draft a running back, but you don't have an offensive line. Yeah. You know, typical <laughs> Lions, typical Lions. Um, the last question for the Lions is uh, your thoughts on, obviously, the number one player, Matthew Stafford. You've probably watched him a little bit, and yeah. a lot of people are saying, hey, okay, six, seven years in the league, big contract, no playoff wins. Is it time to kind of maybe start thinking about, you know, is this the guy or do we say, okay, wait another season see and Martin Mayhew continues to pump them up and say, Hey, listen, this is a quarterback year after year. That's giving us 4,000 yards. Right. It's consistent, but you know, this is a results business. No playoff wins.
0: Yeah. Again. And, and, uh, here's the deal. You know, when I was, you know, at previous jumps, uh, and they didn't have quarterbacks there either. They have a quarterback here and same people in Chicago would say about Cutler, man, Oh, we got to cut bait, go, go different direction. You, there are so few quality quarterbacks in this league, and Matthew Stafford is a quality quarterback. I get it. I mean, I get it. If you're a diehard fan, you're like, man, you know. But who's better, right? And and so you're gonna cut bait on a on a on a guy who's put up the production he does. Yeah. At the end of the day, what's it? You know, what what are you remembered for? Super Bowls and things of that nature. Well, how many people love uh you know the quarterbacks that get them to the playoffs? You get like one playoff win, and then you never get a ring. I mean, the ultimate goal is a ring. So. So Matthew Stafford has, what, uh, one fewer ring than Peyton Manning? Or one less ring? Or was it, <laughs> did Peyton win two? No, Peyton's only won one, right? Only won one. So you follow me? I mean, to me, it's like he's going to keep you competitive. You, you alluded to it earlier. we got to bulk up the offensive line. Continue to provide weapons around him. But, you know, you got to protect your guy and, and your franchise quarterback. And sometimes, you know, he, he might try to thread the needle a little more than he should. Uh, and you could say, hey, give me the gaudy numbers and all that in the regular season, but get me a postseason win. I Again, he's been in the league long enough Ask me again a year from uh, a year from now, and uh, because I think this team, and you have to remember, you know, like with the change, uh, you know, head coaching changes and things of that, different systems that you, that you have to continue to go through. I say, hey, let's not uh, let's not uh, you know let go of our uh, optimism with Matt Stafford, Johnny
1: Kane, Fox Sports Detroit. You can follow him at Johnny Kane FSD. Has been chatting one on one with the Doc. Um, are you do you follow any fringe sports, UFC, tennis, soccer? Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, which, one you watch the, which ones do you follow the most?
0: Oh, I would probably say it's a smattering. I mean, but I would say, you know, I watch UFC and, uh, you know, I watch soccer. But, you know, like when I was watching mostly MLS, I'm not a huge uh, – I mean, I understand a little bit about the – understand the game. But uh, there are some guys, you know, they asked me the, – I met this guy the other day. He said, hey, who's your favorite football team? I answered and he said, no, 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 football team, you know, one of those guys. So, you know, big uh, – you know, some of that, uh, just tell Manchester United, Liverpool, yeah, right. Okay. Well, you, got to yeah, you say big Manchester big Liverpool, United, Liverpool, you're, you're in the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. He was a big Liverpool guy. It's funny yeah. you say that. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, a little bit there, but when I was in, you know, Kansas city sporting KC won the cup in 2012, it was a special time. And, and uh, But, yeah, you appreciate that sport. And, you know, the one thing about it is are you a big soccer guy? Big soccer guy. You know, did you play when you were younger? I I played a little bit uh,
1: recreationally for uh, exercise, but uh, never. uh, My sport that I played in high school was tennis.
0: Okay, right on. Yeah, and I love playing tennis too. We just, we just, we didn't have, again, I think soccer is one of those sports that's growing so much with the tension, and there's so much more, so many more youth programs, but they didn't have it in my hometown. So I was never able to play it. And really you don't understand like all the rules and the nuances of the game. But I think, uh, more people that are getting involved now, you, you appreciate, you know, what it is. And, and, to, and, and, and I played in a, uh, quote unquote celebrity match at halftime of an MLS game between Chicago fire and sporting KC. It was a 12 minute running clock. and, the rest of the media personnel, uh, myself included, we were gassed after about ten. So when you watch these guys, man, world class athletes, uh, tremendous, tremendous shape, and I don't think you get that, uh, you know, understanding as much when you're just watching on television. But if you could ever get out there on the pitch and, and try, you know, test yourself in a muggy conditions with uh, you know, what those guys are able to do, it's it's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, and you said in a relatively short period of
1: time. The Ultimate Fighting Championship has really cemented itself as mm-hmm. being a, a, a sport that has a lot of following, and they're putting on a lot of events, and it's just one of those things now they have a national contract, they're on all the time, and now they're building superstars. Ronda Rousey is considered now oh, one yeah. of the biggest crossover stars in the world, can be in movies, is now, you know, dabbling a little bit in professional wrestling, and they have a crossover star, and many people will argue, and will argue ferociously that the UFC is bigger than boxing, mm-hmm. but this weekend... Manny Pacquiao <laughs> steps into the ring versus Floyd Mayweather. Five years too late. My passion is a little bit diminished, and the num- the numbers are so gaudy that uh, you know I can't see myself dropping hundred bones to go to a bar to watch it, right. or you know, you know, getting friends, you know, two three friends and dropping thirty five on it because you just never know. Are you going to get a good quality fight? Are these guys, you know, Floyd Mayweather is known to duck and weave. What's your thoughts about the boxing? Are you gonna are you gonna plunk down some money or watch it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So Saturday is a big day because you've got uh, Royals Tigers. Kentucky Derby, which I'll be there, and then Mayweather-Pacquiao. So I told my brother he's going to be with me at the Derby. I said, "Hey man, we got to get, we got to be somewhere that night uh, to get that fight." So again, yeah, maybe it comes five years too late, but here's the thing: you know they call him Money Mayweather for a reason, and and if he took the fight five years ago, people weren't going to pay the kind of money over these last five years to watch him continue to fight. So he basically now you get to the end, you're like, okay, now I'm going to fight him because it's going to be your last ginormous payday, unless pacquiao were the way to find a you know find a way to win it then you get the rematch and then of course you go to a third uh you know like some of the great rivalries in in the history of the sport but yeah i i i honestly i want to i'm rooting for manny pacquiao for a number of reasons i don't know if he has what it takes uh to beat him at this point because he's shown that he's has some vulnerabilities but i think if he honestly believes and like uh, freddie roach you know if he believes he is fighting against floyd and kind of carrying the the weight of all these other people that that want Floyd to lose for, for a, a variety of reasons. And if he goes out there and truly leaves it all out there, I mean, truly gives it everything he has and throws punches because we know Mayweather, you know, is, he's more of the, you know, the scientific boxer. Pacquiao, if he throws punches, gets dirty, gets his nose dirty, gets in there and stays within arm's reach, you never know. You never know. So... It's going to be amazing to watch, and I know some people are boycotting it, and uh, you know, boycotting the fight, and, you know, given the checkered past of of Floyd, and uh, but I want to, I want to watch it for this for uh, for what it is, and and uh, you know, you just you never know, pal. But uh, I don't know if I'd lay any money down on that one. Johnny Kane has been kind enough to give us his time chatting
1: one on one with the doc for this special Detroit sports podcast interview. I greatly appreciate your time, and I want to get you out of here on this just to get to know you a little bit better. You got four tickets. You can go to any sporting event any arena and you can take anybody with you any three people with you dead or alive what event would you go to mm. who what uh what are what venue
0: and who would you take with you wow great question uh great question i would go man that's a good one i would go to the kentucky derby i'm a big horse guy we'll have to get into that next show i've been 12 times now but i would go to the derby and i would bring my dad i would bring my brother and uh man this is tough dude <laughs> this is tough <laughs> I would uh Van Morrison. Yeah, there you
1: go. <laughs> you bring Van Morrison. Yeah, there
0: you go. I'd bring Van and he could sing These are the days too <laughs> <There
1: you go. laughs> on the driver. Okay, over. so uh one follow up question. Uh I've never been to the Derby. I obviously watched the Triple Crown, uh that's about it in terms of my horse racing um knowledge and things like that.
0: For 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 those that have never been, what's that experience like? Well it's unbelievable. I mean it's uh you know, whether or not you get in the uh the grandstands, if you just want to party in the infield, it's a party for sure. And uh I remember one year I bumped into Cal Ripken when I was walking by and and uh, you know anybody who's anybody is there, and uh, the women are all dressed, up, dialed up, beautiful, and and the guys certainly put on their best uh, seersucker. It really is an experience that everybody should have an opportunity to do, or if you, if given the opportunity, I should say you should you should go one time. And and whether or not you're a big uh, your horseman or not, it is an event. It's an experience and I've had the opportunity to bring a, a number of my friends over the years and they certainly they certainly really appreciate it and, and uh yeah, it's just awesome, man. I mean it's there's nothing like the twin spires of Churchill Downs and and uh you know the Garland of Roses. I mean it's a it's a beautiful thing, man. I mean it's it's Americana, you know. This will be a hundred and forty first running. If you're looking for a bet, I like Dortmund, Bob Baffert trained horse, Dortmund for the win.
1: Johnny Kane, thank you so much. One on one with the doc. Greatly appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Thanks for having me.